Hi, my name is Sean Shaler, and this is my friend Chris Ford, aka The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. In fact, his YouTube channel hosts this podcast. Thanks, by the way, Chris, for doing all the YouTube work. I appreciate not doing the YouTube work. How are you doing this week? I am doing doing good, doing great. Yeah, um, right now I'm working on a video for the cartoon Infinity Train, uh, pretty much the five life lessons I take away from it. And whenever I start writing script for videos like this like i really enjoy it i really take some bad to my uh, essay days back in high school and I, and I forget how much i actually enjoyed enjoyed writing I, I don't consider myself a writer at all just like forming thoughts and opinions and putting on paper and and uh and forming a narrative around it and, uh, and that's really interesting so i'm really excited about this video coming out it's another series in in the uh meeting of media that i'm doing which i guess i can just segue right into uh, <laughs> my latest videos. I was trying to discreetly do that for you as a cue to like, this is great. Keep talking. Um, You're killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. trying to cut um, you off. I, you, you by all means, keep going. I have, so I have this on my YouTube channel, uh, Objective Geek. I have this new-ish video series I'm calling the Meaning and Media, where I, uh, where I uncover the deeper meaning. And and um, where I uncover the deeper meaning in cartoons and comics and movies, uh, and apply that meaning to our own lives. Uh, my most recent video is why Harper Rowe from the TV series Young Justice is the bravest person in that show, even though she's not a superhero at all. Has a lot to how she deals with her child abuse and the ways that she works through that. So that video meant a lot to me. I got a lot of great feedback on it. Like, the more videos I do to where I'm really invested in it, the less I worry about, like, the performance of it. And the more I'm concerned with, like, how people are going to um, kind of ingest and interpret it. And I think it was interpreted great. Got a lot of great feedback from the creators of the show, from the voice actresses um, who are involved in these scenes that I pulled. Uh, one of the voice actresses, both of them uh, reached out, uh, Zara... I'm uh, sorry, I forgot her name. Uh, Zara, who voices Harper Rowe, who does an amazing job. And then Danica McKiller, who is the voice of Miss Martian, who also um, was Winnie Cooper in The Wonder Years. So she retweeted it out. Nice. More, more yeah. quote unquote friends of the show. Not the show, your show. Yeah. We got to get more friends of this show. Uh, <laughs> I watched, um, and I also watched your Kyoshi teaser, your Kyoshi Perspectives video as well. I thought that was really good. Yes. Yeah, we got some new news-ish. No, we got, oh, ooh, this is definite news. Yeah, it's on news, the sequel. Yeah. It's as yeah. big as news gets here, at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got some uh, news, new information on the sequel to the novel, The Rise of Kyoshi. And we got a new synopsis. And I pretty much go over it in the video. And also, I use uh, FCG's comments on Twitter to kind of make some predictions and what the story can actually be about. Oh, which that reminds me, maybe he's friend of the show. He also, <laughs> uh, he also liked my uh, my Twitter, uh, my Twitter post about it. So I don't think he watched that. I just think he likes that. I know, but <laughs> that well, that's, are talking that's, about Rise of Kyoshi. that's still really really meaningful. And you know what? He it probably is. listened to all 150 minutes of the podcast too. He probably did. He, probably i imagine he searches his name in google just to see what comes up and ours was probably 300th on the list and he made it down there somehow i'm sure but 
uh, the <laughs> yeah, I thought the Kyoshi thoughts were were very. Uh, it's very exciting to me. Maybe not exactly what I expected, but it's pretty pretty scattered details right now. I will say that we'll put the link to your video in the description and potentially up here in a card as well. Uh, just just go watch it. Good short video on the insights of what the next book. It can is have. pretty short. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a good way. <laughs> Sorry, that came out mean. He didn't do very much work on it, but just go watch it. No, it's a great video, great thoughts, and it's just very exciting. I haven't, I don't, I don't read much, even comics and graphic novels, which this is kind of a segue. Um, I just don't read a whole lot, but I haven't been this excited about a book coming out in a while, and I really wasn't even that excited about the Kyoshi novel. I mean, I was ish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like I knew I was gonna read it. Uh, but I didn't... I didn't think you were going to read it at first. Like when I when I was like wrapping up, getting done with it, I thought we were going to have a podcast where I just kind of tell you <laughs> the the story and you yeah. just interpret it from there. Second Sit down, Sean. Let me read you and the story. Yeah, uh, uh, I just, it'll be story time with Chris. I just don't read a whole lot. I, I used to read a lot. I don't know if I just got burnt out. I used to read a ton actually, but I just don't read much anymore. Uh, so again, it's sort of a, it's a really nice nostalgic feeling to be excited about a book again. I probably haven't been excited for a book since, I don't know, like book seven of Harry Potter or something like something kind of cliche like that. Uh, but segue, I did read a graphic novel today and <laughs> it was by Janet Ivanovich, which uh, for any of the two listeners that know who that is, that's probably that's funny that I'm reading Janet Ivanovich. She writes like sort of like detective-ish stories and mostly they're novels but the primary audience is usually like my wife for example um mm. and there's a graphic novel that she i don't know she had some kind of partnership with it with an artist and also with a relative of hers i didn't read into it at all um and all i can say is that it's not like any other graphic novel i've ever read and graphic novels outside the sphere of superheroes are not my thing <laughs> It was unusual, but I was proud of myself. I branched out. I tried something new, and it only took like a half an hour. So where do you go, Sean? Where do you try new things? Broaden those horizons. So uh, yeah, that's like, that was a really long what was tangent. This, what was this called? What was the not, what was the graphic novel called? Tro- Troublemaker by Janet Ivanovich. Oh, I don't know. Troublemaker. Oh, yeah. uh, again, the, the, if there's a re- if there's a listener out there who knows who Janet Ivanovich is, they'll probably get a chuckle. They'll be like, Sean's reading essentially like 30s and 40s chick novels 20s to 40s chick novels but it's i don't know it's kind of crime buddy cop ish but not exactly anyway i don't recommend it to you in particular (laughs) maybe other people uh there's also maybe a little bit of live action series news potentially doubtfully i guess i think doubtfully in a good way (laughs) yeah in a good way yeah. So uh, recently at Netflix, the execs are some shakeups. There was an exec, a lady by the name of I don't remember, and I apologize. That's but... a strange name. <laughs> she... Where does the know, right? first name it's... end and the second name begin? Um, it's I don't. I don't. That's her first name. <laughs> Very unusual, but I respect it. Uh, it's Dutch. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You nailed it. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely Dutch. Um, she is, and she is, was, and it's at, at Netflix. She was kind of head over the family um, development. 
and like she was over like all the cartoons and possibly other things basically everything i watch on netflix yeah and some fans are concerned with her departure because she was a producer on avatar and she really shepherded in a lot of the shows that a lot of people love like um, like the dragon prince and there was an interview with aaron ehas and they asked him about the live action um, avatar coming out and and he mentioned her by name he was like oh yeah they'll be fine because they'll have Mike and Brian, and also they'll have this uh, Isette, who's producer on Avatar, also backing them up. Probably and so conspiracy that, of some type. Yeah, so that's a little, it's a, maybe a little scary that she's no longer there, but I'm not concerned at all about the live action version of Avatar, because I think Netflix, now more than ever, with so many um, properties leaving Netflix going on to their own series, and Netflix needs to build their brand and build their assortment of shows even more, and they need their version of of of, uh, of like Game of Thrones, and that's what Avatar can be. And there's already already a tapped market for that. And also, I don't think that they would drop Avatar because there's more things to it than that. Like they have a deal with Nickelodeon to do Avatar, and it's harder to break that deal than it would be to just drop a show that they have, like the Drag Prince. I don't I don't wish the Drag Prince to be dropped. I love the Drag Prince, but. <laughs> and also, if the Drag Prince does get dropped, I mean, and I hope it doesn't, it's an amazing show, I wouldn't see that as any indicator or bad indicator for the future of, of Avatar live action because that would probably have way more to do with ratings and and that's Netflix's decision. Like That's their property they can do. They don't have to worry about consulting a second party about it or a third party about it. I, uh, I know we have mixed opinions on the Dragon Prince in our inner circle, but it happens to be on our, <laughs> on our in our little circle. But it happens to be maybe my... I don't know, it, it probably could if it ends and gets written and, and gets the attention it deserves. I don't have much issue seeing that it could be in my top two or three favorite shows of all time, so I hope it doesn't get canceled. When it comes to the live-action series, I would say the only concern I have, and it's like the 1% concern is I think it's going to be really expensive to make. I think it's going to be a very expensive show and it's going to have to it's going to have to put out good hype and good ratings, I think. Uh, but I think it will. I mean, it's Avatar. I think there's a good enough following for that. I don't know anything about budgets uh, when it comes to production. <laughs> I should throw that out there. Just little snippets uh, reading here and there. Just It's a very big production and a very pricey one. So, you know, that always yeah. makes me nervous, but Hopefully it turns into a good thing. So no news is good news in this case, really. Sorry, exec. Yes, yeah. uh, you you exec over a lot of things that I personally enjoy and watch. I don't know how much decision impact you had in those, but <laughs> good good luck. I don't like to see people get fired. Yeah, uh, I'm sure she'll be all right. She's richer than I am. So I, that sounds cruel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's fine. It, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's I don't have any other not news. Do you have any more almost news? Uh, I any other videos? Not. I put out a couple of videos, but they're all related to video games. So they're probably not really interesting to this audience. And they're almost exclusively catered to this Facebook group that I spend way too much time interacting in. <laughs> that's it. Uh, hey, well, with that, that's okay because we actually have a pretty, uh, I guess it could be a fairly long episode because it is actually covering two episodes of the show. They were aired together. Um, I did go Google yes, they were. because uh, I didn't recognize the name The Fury of Aang, 
Um, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I went and Googled, and so they were aired together. We did, we treated them, and I think this is a good thing to do, is that we still treated them as separate episodes as they, I think they just need to be just purely opinion. It's not a single story arc. It is two separate, uh, two separate. Yeah. If not, you could even argue like their next four episodes we're going to cover is kind of one story arc in a way Four, I might even be four or six. Yeah. It's really interesting because at the time that they were airing, like it was, it was kind of weird to me, but we're in a good way. Like they kind of, they kind of kept airing these like avatar mini events. Like, all right, here's the fury of Aang. And then here's them doing this. And it was all like two episodes at a time. Went I, a couple weeks I in a enjoyed. row of like one hour specials, sort of. Yeah. Um, but we'll mm-hmm. we'll go ahead and we'll treat them separately in terms of ratings. Obviously, that's extremely important uh, to know the details of the ratings. But we're going to cover them together. They do go together very nicely. Uh, hey, that's it. It's called The Fury of Aang, but that's not the name of the episodes. That's the name of the special, so to speak. The first episode is called The Library. And the as, library. The library. <laughs> and as you, as you might remember, uh, Aang has now gotten a gotten a hand on some earthbending skills. They've been working, I believe the quote, I'm going to mess it up, been working his arrow off, and we yes. essentially start the episode off by arguing about whether or not they should be taking vacations or getting back to work. And the compromise <laughs> is that they're going to take vacations and then get back to work. So basically, Sokka loses. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that's kind of the kickoff of the episode. It lands us in this, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a resort kind of thing, and it's not well, quite what they expect. But I think it's supposed to be a resort. And I'll let you yeah, take so it from on there. Yeah, so on their, on their map, it's it's like just it's a, like a very luxurious water, um, like water fountain resort-ish type place. And, uh, and Katara decides to take her vacation there because it's her turn. I think Aang already went on vacations. Aang's probably went on several different vacations with the penguin sledding and the koi fish riding. All I, that gonna, I think the killer koi time. is what they reference specifically, but I might be messing that up. Yeah. Uh, so Katara decides to go there, and yeah, 100 years ago it was a great place, but now that fountain's kind of dried up. Uh, this is the Missy Palm Oasis, which does come back in Legend of Korra, so that's kind of cool. Oh, it does? And I did not yeah. recall that. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That's interesting. Um, and uh, <laughs> and they get there and they meet the professor uh, from Ba Sing Se, and and pretty much they need to. Fi- he's headed to the spirit library and they pretty much go on that journey with him. Like, because also Sokka really doesn't want to go on a lot of vacations because he wants to plan and prepare and everything. And he decides, I just, I just love this, that it's pretty much a meme. Like, I'm going to spend my vacation at the library. <laughs> I just, for some reason, I just always <laughs> love that. I'm not going to be able to not then, think about that every time I walk in a library from here on out. And then one of my, one of my most, like, favorite adult jokes, as in, like, adults would get it, but kids won't understand it at all, is when Toph is like, hey, when do I get to choose where we go for vacation? And Saga says, you got to acquire a little more vacation time before you <laughs> I actually like, thought you were going to reference the one later about why she didn't want to go in the library. I was like, nah, Chris, kids get that. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, like, I think I started my first job around this time because this probably premiered. Uh, when did it premiere? It must have been 2006. Six or seven, on. probably. Six. I'm going to say yeah. six. Yeah. 
or or late 2005. Either way, I started a job, my first job in McDonald's, and like I completely understood what Toph was going through. Like I don't have vacation time either. Like if I felt that on a whole nother another level my hardest part of of adulting right now in terms of like work vacation time is that i have pto which seems like a blessing because i never get sick but i'm also really paranoid and (laughs) so every time i'm like taking a vacation like what if i get sick and then i just make myself sick thinking about it basically so hey i know pto sounds great but if you're anxious about life already probably pto is not right for you (laughs) go to the traditional vacation hours route gets me every time i hear you tough i hear you uh so i think the thing with the professor though is uh, the thing with the professor i think he's been looking for a while right like he's got like a crazy map all drawn up and stuff and then essentially this desert that he he needs to go through is impassable and that's kind of like the only it's like the trigger that gets uh sokka to go along is like hey it's this library full of the like infinite amount of knowledge there's got to be something in there and that gets them all amped up because he's being a sourpuss to this point in the episode yeah and so they they do get there to the library he rides on appa and he does make many remarks on how appa and ang is a living relic <laughs> and um and yeah and they get to the library pretty much and they meet wan ching tong he who knows a thousand things which isn't a literal Thing. Like some people take it really literally, but it's just a, a, a euphemism. Just a <laughs> essentially, it's, it's a turn of phrase. Calm down, people. Yeah, it's like I know a thousand things. Like I know <laughs> at least a hundred. Like that's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's just it's figure speech. And yeah, he, I love him because he's a giant spooky owl. He's kind of creepy, honestly. Kind of like a deep, yeah, scary voice. Yeah. Um, good yeah. librarian then, type. Which is, there's a cool callback to this episode, callback to Admiral Zhao, because he says, like, yeah, you can use the library, but uh, as long as what you're doing is just for the sheer purposes of, of learning. And, you know, that's kind of noble enough. And, of course, because he says, like, oh, well, people most of the time just want to use my library to get a upper hand on their on their enemies, the same way that that Fire Nation general did and just kind of, I think it maybe glimpses the Zhao just a little bit. And you're like, oh, that's how Zhao summoned upon how to kill the moon and the ocean spirit. And then when he says that, though, about the knowledge and they all kind of freeze up, I'm like, Aang's a really good guy. Is he going to be a good liar? I doubt it. But they bail out okay. <laughs> no, Aang, Aang's good at lying. And yeah. this is like one of, <laughs> this is also one of the times that Aang uses the Avatar card and it won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> comes with perks I, I man it's a tough job he's been working his arrow like off Chris cut him some slack <laughs> that's true so pretty much I just this episode they kind of just walk around the library for a while until they until um, Sokka stumbles upon um, they do notice that the Fire Nation section of the library is all burnt up because the Fire Nation didn't want anyone finding out any information about them which that's just so freaking Fire Nation and Sokka's pissed about it also kind of telling that they like have their own section like it's almost like having your own personal file like in the drawer you you don't want to have your own section library that's that's never good like yeah (laughs) uh but then and asaka um go ahead 
I was just gonna say they were, they were like no they were just like weirdly shocked when they saw it. I was like that's not shocking he, he already yeah. like let you know they were here and they're also a-holes of course they burnt the yeah. library up but yeah 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 um and then Sokka stumbles upon just this paper that says like the darkest day in Fire Nation history and and then he goes to this like really cool like planetarium type deal to where you can just like change the dates and the sun and the moon moves at a certain point. So he changed that date to that date and he notices that like, oh, well, the sun is gone. That's because the sun is behind the moon and it is a uh, solar eclipse. And he's like, oh yeah, this is the, I don't know exactly what happens, but this is the darkest day in the ancient history. Like they lose their bending. All right, I've mentioned to you before that I was really mad at myself because once I finished my Rise of Kiyoshi uh, predictions, and then I watched this episode, I then came up with another prediction, which I think would be kind of cool. So we've been, there's light spoilers for Rise of Kyoshi here, but I don't really need to talk about spoilers too much. But Any, certain anybody character that name, listens to the, to the podcast, <laughs> I, I was really proud of the book podcast. So I kind of hope they just listen to the whole thing anyways. I'm selfish, but. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, just in case there's a minor person out there. Anyway, there's a firebender girl named Ranji. And and she's around, and <laughs> and, um, and we were kind of trying to think about like, all right, how can you know? I wonder if she could ever become uh, the Fire Lord. Like, she's not in the financial family. She is a noble though, and so she must be on some type of line of succession there. So, like, what if? So we know this is the darkest day in financial history. Now that can't just be that there was a solar eclipse because. To me, that's just. To me, that's not like the darkest day of our nation history. Like what so something terrible, something bad happening on the solar eclipse that made it the darkest day yeah. in fire history. I mean, and and Sokka's like words were something bad happens. I don't know what it was, but something bad happened. And so maybe that's also. Oh, anyway, let me get to the prediction here. So I think that there was like some huge coup uh, that happened, and like. Someone knew that fire, all the firebenders were going to lose their power, so they just straight up murder like the whole entire royal family, leaving behind um, Ranji being the Fire Lord eventually. And of course, the Fire Nation realized that, so then they went in and made, wanted to make sure that no one knew about this, and so they destroyed the whole Spirit Library part of their nation because they don't want this to ever happen again. Oh, I assume that that was uh, Zhao recently actually that's kind of funny that could, that, uh, i mean that could also been it I, I like what you said that better because it's more it's more prediction. interesting but yeah, i just assume that like Zhao is like torch the place you know just being Zhao. yeah admiral oh, so that Colonel, probably lieutenant whatever probably the hell he is now. In... yeah uh, either way but the main prediction there is that the whole fire nation royal family is killed to a point to where ranji is left the only um, heir to, to being the Fire Lord. I, there's some pretty, really good fan art by Keikachi that you can find on Instagram, Keikachi95, I think. I might be thinking of somebody else, which I'm sorry if I am. But like the way she draws, um, or he, or he, she, I'm sorry. The way they draw <laughs> uh, Ranji, it reminds me a lot of Azula. Like, what if Ranji is the great, 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 whatever <laughs> um, grandmother? Of of all of these, you know, I don't know, man. Now you're pulling head cannon out of fan art from Instagram. That's crazy. 
Uh, I mean, I like that's where not... that goes, though. Sorry, I interrupted you that time. No, I just saying that's not the that's not the basis of it, but I just love the way that that's drawn. I like where that goes. Uh, well, I I like critically where that goes because we sort of predicted. Um, I don't want to say like a split from Ranji and Kyoshi in terms of like uh, being like enemies. But that would give good reason to have like a political split. Like now, uh, Ranji's truly yeah. forced to be you know, uh, the leader of the Fire Nation and have their best interest at heart, and Kyoshi's still the Avatar. Uh, so I like how that creates like the political yeah. split that we kind of predicted. And uh, you know, I also I don't know. It's just a really nice theory. Not that Ranji caused it, but maybe being away uh, was yeah. what uh, was what saved it. And her, maybe even her and Kyoshi going back and having some uh, some impact in whatever it was, but. I don't know. I kind of dig it. I'm not saying I think it'll be true because there's so many. Like it's it's a wide open world of things that could happen, but it's kind of awesome. I hope yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. I'm not like, oh, this is 50 percent confirmed. I'm more good. like, you know, yeah. There's a off chance that maybe this would happen. It feels good because it fits some of the things that we already talked about earlier. So that makes us feel, yeah. uh, or at least me, makes me feel kind of validated in some of our predictions. So yeah, I dig it. Yeah. Um, again, not that I want Ranji and Kyoshi to split up anyway because uh, they're yeah. like one of my my favorite couples in in all of this universe but politically you know it does it to people nation first whatever um true i i hadn't made that connection but it makes sense yeah so then that the darkest day in history isn't just a literal like hey got real dark this day and we couldn't use fire no more (laughs) like there's got to be more to it than that whether it's our prediction or not or your prediction i'm not going to take credit for that yeah uh, I don't remember what happened. Oh, um, I do. Wait. Uh, they, does the, one of the spirit foxes that's roaming around the library, the little hall monitors, he overhears Sokka yeah. getting excited. Like, I don't remember what he says, but something about, like, this is exactly what we need to beat the Fire Nation. And that furry little narc runs off to the creepy owl spirit. Did he? I don't think he, I don't think he ratted on him. I didn't get that. I thought that's what I didn't got get the that spirit sense mad. That he was... I thought the little fox uh, I mean, ran he, off and narked I mean, in the I mean, He was kind of helping him a little bit, I think. Or the spirit's just all-knowing and... I think I think he just figured it out. Well, he's not all-knowing. <laughs> he only knows a thousand things. True. He's very he's limited, not, actually, in what he knows. He's the finitely-knowing <laughs> spirit. I, yes. I love him. I think he's a great character. But it's a little weird, but I, I like him a lot. I, I, I absolutely love his voice. I didn't it's, see who the voice actor was, but uh, we I have a feeling it's the If you talk, I'll guy. look it up real quick, just because I okay. am kind of curious. Right. I'm going to guess that is it's the guy from um, from <laughs> the Anne Hathaway movie, The Princess Diaries, which is actually <laughs> like The Princess Diaries. <laughs> no, it's a good movie. I don't like the second. I like the first one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually do like thoroughly enjoy. I surprisingly I don't have it on on DVD or anything. I might have to add that to the list, but I'll probably watch it once. I really like um, Anne Hathaway it, I think she, in I think general the, too. So I I like Anne Hathaway. Yeah, that's it. Might be more about that uh, than the actual it, movie to me. Yeah, but I think it's the uh, the the butler or not the butler. They're like chauffeur guy. It is. You got he got it. Just sounds like you got yes. it. He was yes. in one episode of Avatar The Last Airbender and one episode of The Legend of Korra. Hmm. Oh, oh yeah, okay. He played Wan Ching Tong again. In, again, yeah. I, which yeah. I just kind of forget. <laughs> at first, at first uh, I was like, hmm, what, who did he voice in Legend of Korra? Oh, it was himself? the same character. No, the owl, yeah. yeah. Um, he also, this is 
kind of interesting, if you don't mind. I mean, he's no, been in a, in a lot of things, but he's been in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited on tel- on TV. Uh, Scooby-Doo, for me, <laughs> I'll throw myself one in there. He's been in a lot of stuff. Oh, there's a new Scooby-Doo show coming out that's supposed to be pretty good. Like, it has a lot of guest appearance on it, like Steve Urkel and Wonder Woman. Um, but I think it's on Boomerang, so I'll never get around to watching it. Um, I I have a lot of Scooby-Doo. I'm very divisive. He's, he's a favorite character of mine. There's some series and universes that I absolutely love and some that I hate. Uh, but historically, <laughs> it's been very early on when I've been able to tell. So hopefully yeah. I'll get a chance to watch an episode or two and see what let's see what I think. And I got to throw one more out before uh, before we move on because you'll really appreciate this one. He is a voice credit in Batman: The Rise of The Rise of Sinsu, which is a video game I oh. think for PS2 yes. and GameCube. Game- yes, which I still have not beat yet. Although it looks really good, like the cutscenes are really good for PS2 and GameCube. There are, there's either two or three. There's Vengeance. And Sinsu, and maybe even one oh, more that all kind of fit. Never mind. That all kind of fit in yeah. the same. I think they're directly connected to the animated series. Like I think they're in that yes. animated series yeah. universe, yeah. which is pretty cool for video are. games to be doing that, especially yeah. in what is it, probably two thousand three or something. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, I'm I'm done throwing out facts about Hector. I I forgot to look at his name. I just saw it's Hector something. It's the guy from Princess Diaries. Great voice. That's probably what he wants to be it, recognized it, as. It is. It is a really great voice. Like, it's really good. If you take uh, nothing yeah, away from this episode, go watch Princess Diaries because it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's probably better uh, than okay. Not okay. It's. I'll say good. I, don't I, think actually I great, enjoy it. <laughs> I won't pretend to critically review it. I enjoy it. Uh, in uh, inside the yeah, library, so he gets, though, he gets really mad. Yes. Yes, he does. The butler. And yeah, the butler gets mad. I thought the bodyguard. He's more of a bodyguard, right? Yeah, kind of. Maybe both. He's yeah, a he's personal. Not, he's, he's not like a butler cuz he does he's not like he's not like Alfred serving up stuff. He's he's the bodyguard. He's definitely the bodyguard. Bodyguard slash chauffeur. Yeah, that's um, a better word for it. He's a he's a professional chaperone. Chef, yes. Uh okay. So he gets really mad, and a pretty interesting like chase ensues. And the really the best part that I love about it is when the guitar is about to fight him, and he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's like I've studied, I've studied northern water tribe fighting style, southern southern fighting style, even foggy swamp fighting foggy style. swamp fighting style." And, <laughs> yeah, I almost lost it when he said that. Yeah, I just love how like. I love the teamwork aspect of it because like Aang is gliding and Sokka comes from the top of him and, and just like hits him overhead with a book, which is just so ironic that knowledge hit the knowledge <laughs> person, but like literal. There is, there's a lot and, of yeah, deep, just, there's a lot of deep meaning to that. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, that's Sokka style. Learn it. It's a very and Sokka then, thing. We didn't, you know, I referenced yeah. the joke earlier on the way in the library when they asked Toph why she's not coming. I referenced it, but I never actually said it, and I like it. And they're just like, oh, yeah. you come in, and she looks, quote-unquote, looks at them, and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or she said, I, she says great. something. She's like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of reading or something like that. But yeah. there's there's a lot of quips in these, and eh, not these yeah. two, just this episode. Yes, yeah, and there's no quips in the net. Well... It's just a lot of stoner no, no stoner stuff happening of, in the yeah. next episode. Yeah. 
uh, I did love that <laughs> that soft joke of like they're all just looking for the library and, and it feels like it's been like hours just in the desert and she goes look there it is <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and they're all like where it's just like uh, that's what you guys will sound like when you find it it's not fair it's because we only like jokes. We only like see Toph and Boomy in terms of getting like up close and personal with airbenders in this series. It seems unfair that they get to be like two of the three funniest people that we meet. Yeah. Earthbenders overrepresented by comedians. Uh, uh. <laughs> That's just like one of the best blind jokes. <laughs> That's what you guys sound like when you see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like third blind guys. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah, so they they escape out of the library. They escape watching Tong because he takes he's so mad at them that he takes his library uh, back to the spirit world. Which I don't know the semantics of it, but he takes it back. <laughs> Professor with it. Professor just he refuses to go. Yeah. He's like nah. Which you kind of wonder, yeah. uh, you know, if it's if it stays intact. Hopefully he's just alive and he just like he's a pure guy. He's just in there for knowledge and he gets to read happily ever after. I think I'm pretty sure he. He shows back up in Legend of Korra. Does he? God, I can, we got to get back around to that. I can't remember anything from Korra. <laughs> but he is a skeleton. <laughs> ah, well, it's a long so, time. Uh, yeah, so Janora, Aang's granddaughter, visits the Spirit Library. And then, like, she's really smart. She just really loves books. She's like, oh, I could live here forever. And then Wanshi Tong says, the last person who said that is right there. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it pans. <laughs> it's a, this guy, it's a, like, just a skeleton. With uh, holding a book, <laughs> died and it doing wasn't what he loved. A, yeah, it wasn't played as a joke. No, it was, well, and it wasn't even a threat, really. Like he's just saying, like, "Hey, it can be done. Like you can live yeah. here forever. It's fine." <laughs> well, not for forever for me, just forever for you. Yeah. So like, not a quip or a threat or anything. It's just it's there. <laughs> Knock yourself out, kid. But we need you later, yeah. Janora. So maybe don't do that yet. Yeah, that's true. Um, but they escape out, and during the same time, um, there was some foreshadowing to the Sandbenders, really minor foreshadowing, which I think was well done. Because uh, there's before they leave to the library, um, the professor goes outside, and he sees some Sandbenders just like looking at Appa. He's like, shoot, Sandbender, shoot. Like, that was it. They get treated like the Sand people in Star Wars. <laughs> you just scare them off. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, also, and then we also know that. that uh, it's worth noting that Toph has been sitting outside kind of having like a heart to heart with Appa which nothing yeah. really spectacular happens but it's kind of touching because you always get the feeling that Toph prefers her feet uh, on solid ground which also alluded to here <laughs> so her and Appa may not be best pals but you know it's, it's kind of yeah. touching and also her being on the sand because it's like just individual sand things she can't see as well it's like just kind of mush and so that is very vital because the sandbenders come and they want to steal Appa and she and the, the spirit library is dropping. She is holding it up by herself, just being a, a freaking BA that Toph is. And also she's trying to fight all the sandbenders with sand that she can't see and she has to make a choice. It is an impossible choice, but it's a fairly easy choice to make. It's like, do I let all my friends get killed or it do is an I... easy choice to make but not a not a easy one to actually execute yeah and she does there's a great moment of her just saying i'm sorry appa and she cries like 
that's a fantastic moment. You can hear Appa like course, whining like a big basset hound too, and it's, it's a really sad sound. It gets your hits you in the feels a little bit. Yeah. As the sandbenders are still those monsters, you're stealing somebody's dog basically, except for he's way more useful <laughs> and necessary to them not dying in a desert. How would you do that, you bastards? Sorry. I don't know. Monsters. This episode uh, gets then, me worked up. And then they they get out of the library, and yeah, Angus like, "Where's Appa?" and and it just ends with him crying, just at like a shed, just a tear. You know, just shedding a tear, and that's the end of the episode. Is. You want to get to your ratings? Yeah, let's hop into it. <laughs> so it seems like I really love this episode, <laughs> but once we get to these ratings, it seems the opposite of it. Um, I was going to say, what part of this did you seem to love? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm personally, let me uh, just say ahead of time, I am personally attacked by your ratings of this episode. <laughs> good <laughs> um, exactly as you play in. Uh, I, I like i like having differing opinions about it's things. more fun that way usually yeah uh, uh, io visual gets a seven there just wasn't that much other watching's library was like really cool to look at um but there wasn't well, wasn't all that much so it gets a seven story i think i think this has like huge ramifications for things happening in the future like all right now we can plan out an invasion on the fire nation um, all right, Apple was stolen, but when it comes to the story within this episode, it doesn't. It just wasn't that great to me. Um, so it gets a seven and a half out of ten. For the memorable, I could honestly always kind of. I do love certain things about this episode, but it's one that I can just watch in the background. Um, I do absolutely love the top joke. That's probably the most memorable thing for me out of it, and also the Saka. Saka stuff, but a other than that, winner, it's not a few winner quips in there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, it's, it's not all that memorable for me. So it's a seven out of ten. That brings my weighted average score to a seven point three out of ten. So audio visual, uh, you know, I I get it. There's not a whole lot going on. I really like the visuals of the library and just the the presence of the spirit too. They make a great great show of him being a big intimidating being just for being an owl that sort of thing not a lot of good music or anything going on here though i agree a little dull but i gave it an eight story i really like the standalone of this story um maybe as you mentioned the progression within the episode from beginning to end might not be that interesting does have bigger ramifications but i do like that it has a little of everything like there's some very hard feels some touching moments some clever things some funny things very well balanced uh and those types of things uh if you've kept up with the podcast at all you know those just that that type of uh spread tends to appeal to me a lot i'm a sucker for that and i go back to just comedy and feels and i usually don't even like stuff with feels which explains my episode feelings on the next one and then memorable nine just all the above i can always remember this episode i can always remember where it falls um i can't ever remember the spirit's name or the professor's name or the little things like that but uh pretty much beginning to end it's just one of those episodes that sticks. I like the the planetarium is really cool. That's a cool thing that pops in my head all the time. The jokes, the soccer style. So just it's one that sticks in my brain. That brings it out to an eight <laughs> and a half. So we're pretty, pretty varying yeah, differences there. 7.9, which, you know, it's a, I can see it being a divisive episode out in the out in the rest of the world, too. It's probably not just here. I imagine it's divisive in general. But there, there you have it. Interesting episode, to say the least. And that brings us to 
Uh, you last saw Aang outside shedding a tear. <laughs> Again, they aired these together, so I don't know if they. I don't even know if they like play the credits or anything in between there. I have no idea how that worked, but I, don't, I, don't I imagine they, they roll into it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So we we pick up and Aang is like pretty pissed very quickly, which he should be. Like the thing is, I don't. Aang is really uncomfortable here. We've never seen Aang this mad before. But he's so and... mad at Toph. Like, do you not understand that she just did, like, the coolest thing that she's ever done to save your lives, you ungrateful little monster? I hate that he's <laughs> me... so mad at Toph. He's such being such a child. <laughs> I mean, he is a child. To me, I'm, Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> to me, I'm, I'm fine with it because you're not rational at that point, right? You're You're, you're just trying to trying to formulate thoughts around what happened you're trying to put blame on something at this point he's just angry right somebody somebody go hug Toph though come on she did a great job did anybody once like hey thanks for not letting us get sucked into the spirit world with a giant angry owl (laughs) like come on I don't know cut her some slack but it's it's a very uh, it is a very dramatic stark start to the episode because he's all sorts of pissed off yeah this reminds me of like Aang's Aang's behavior towards Toph Reminds me of children at at foster camp. Like sometimes they're they're being quotation marks uh, terrible, or they're acting out and everything. But like what we always try to say to ourselves is like they're not they're not giving you a hard time, right? They're not trying to give you specifically you a hard time. They're just having a hard time. They can't they can't function like that. So that's how I I see it. I forget that Aang is a child sometimes. Like, I'm watching through the scope of it like a 29-year-old human, and in my mind, Aang is a grown. It's like, no, Aang's a kid. So I still get it. I just feel really bad for Toph because she held up a library sinking in a pit of sand. Yeah, and I do love that Katara calls him out on it, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And I I love – this is probably my favorite Katara episodes because it just shows just how freaking strong-willed Katara is. Like, everybody else is just – completely useless for several different reasons. Aang cannot be consoled at this moment. Toph can't see anything in Sokka. Um, <laughs> Sokka, Sokka starts tripping balls on some cactus juice. Him and Momo get straight up hard into some cactus juice. And then, yeah. like we mentioned earlier, there's no quips in this episode. There's just lots of lots of like stonery moments from Sokka and Momo. Uh, yeah, yeah. E- example one of a handful in this episode of Katara being the uh, the anchor, I think is what you always call it, like the earthly tether for the whole group, not just for Aang. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I like how Saga just like slices the drink. It's like, oh, it's really good. I should take it. No, I think it's fine. And then just immediately his pupils like dilate. And, <laughs> and then like, but Momo takes it. Momo does this thing where he like flies in a circle and then drops straight down <laughs> to the ground. Is that where he knocks Katara's water out of her hands too, or is that a separate no, stoner no, later, moment later? Later, on? later at night, uh, Toph is asking if <laughs> if she can have some water. Katara bends it out, and then Momo jumps on it, and Sokka goes, "Momo, you've killed us all," or something like that. Something pretty dramatic. Yeah. And Katara's just like, calm down, Sokka. And she just takes water out of the sand. He's like, oh, water bending. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, just there's just some 
great, absolute, some amazing comedy from Sokka in this episode. Uh, I'm gonna, then, I yeah. call it like more of an unintentional. Like there's Sokka trying to be funny, which is sometimes funny and sometimes is painful. And then this is uh, this is more of an earnest, <laughs> candid slapstick comedy from Sokka. Yeah. But he's the right character for it. Yeah, and Aang, Aang continues to be pissed about things. Um, he swings up to go get a some water from a cloud, and he comes back. Katara looks, he's like, oh, there's not that much water. And he's like, what are you doing? Huh? I'm sorry, it's not a, it's a desert cloud. It doesn't have that much water. He, like, gets mad at everybody. He's like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? And Katara's like, I'm trying to get us out of here. Like, her just resolve and her... Just the way she can't be broken is just it's why this is probably one of my favorite Katara episodes there is. And I think I enjoy this Katara more than the one in um and the water baiting master. And that's a great Katara moment. It's it's not as exciting a Katara moment, but it might be more of no, a it no, might be a, a more important type of Katara. Yeah. To the to what All do you right. call it? To the structure of the group, I guess. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, last episode, there was no Zuko at all. Um, in this episode, they first get attacked by the uh, Rough Rhinos. They make another another appearance. And Iroh <laughs> does make a remark on how, like, they're a good band, and they're all specialists and stuff, and they're old friends <laughs> and everything. And then uh, Zuko's parent like, do you have any old friends who don't want to kill us? He's like, huh, old friends who don't want to kill us. <laughs> And they eventually go to this shop. I don't know. I guess it's just a, a drink place. It's the uh, no. It's place. the it's the same oasis place, the same resort. You kind are of. right. You yeah. are you are absolutely correct. Yes, because that's what brings the uh, the rumble the royal rumble guy and the earth bidding teacher there is because they're searching for Toph. And they ask him about it, um, and then uh, Zuko and Iroh just happened to be there. And Iroh plays the White Lotus person. And I love this moment because it's just all just secret stuff. Like you can tell these are secret words that they're giving to each other. Like, oh, who knocks at the door? He who is whatever and whatever. I don't remember. I can't exactly remember it all, but it sounds pretty intuitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he who have eaten the berry of life and drinking its fruit. Something like that. <laughs> and drinking its knowledge. I don't know. Um, but eventually they concoct a plan to to uh to get them to bossing say because there they can just go there as as refugees and what is just two more refugees out of everybody and, and that's their plan and so and you know and Iroh says to him like yeah it's the safest place like even i couldn't <laughs> which is a weird statement like even i couldn't penetrate yeah, well it's, through it's, the wall he's like self-reflection he's learned to live with it yeah. Uh, is this the first mention? So first of all, he plays the White Lotus pie show tile, which we've heard the tile reference before. Like early on, he says something to to Zuko about you know the few people still stick to playing this tile, even though it seems not very useful or something mm-hmm. like that. But is this the first reference to the White Lotus as a group? I'm um, pretty sure it is. Yeah. Um, and he plays it, and that's what kind of starts the conversation. And that's pretty cool. Like that's a nice. I don't know. That's a fun throwback. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then they they uh, they pretty much sneak them out because the guy, the two guys who were chasing Toph decided, oh, we can take the fire lord's son and the uncle and get that money instead. 
and and the guy who's working with Iroh, who's in the White Lotus, pretty much tells everybody that they're wanted and they have bounties on the head, and everyone in that place is uh, trying to get that bounty. So he, yeah, and they all pretty much attack. starts a royal rumble as a distraction, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and in that chaos, Iroh and the Suko escape away. So that's pretty much the end of end of their story when it comes to. Mm-hmm. It's not a ton, but it's like it's a nice break because we didn't see him at all last time, and it's a like a big step in their next. I don't know in the next part of their journey. Yeah, big crossroads. Yeah, Uh, and then on the flip side of this, uh, and the I would say the A plot, they do find a a a sand boat, and they follow the compass to to uh, pretty much the center of the desert. And they get attacked by all these buzzard wasps, and one buzzard wasps wasp <laughs> takes Momo, and Angus like pissed. He's like, "I'm not losing anybody else. Like this is the absolute most pissed Angus see." He he chases the wasp down on his glider. He airbends. He gets <laughs> the thing is kind of funny. Like the wasp is you know he has Momo, <laughs> and Ang like bends him, and like it's kind of this <laughs> the sense that Momo's gonna fall like to his death, and Ang has to catch him. And Momo just like flies back up to A. <laughs> like, no, oh. I got this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, uh, I just want to like, note that uh, was a that was a professional reenactment. Kids don't try that at home. Yeah, it was yeah. very <laughs> well done. I do. <laughs> uh, I think as we're talking about now, I realize I'm just feeling sympathy for Toph because I like her so much, and I'm feeling bad for her, so I'm paying too much attention to her. But I did think it was nice that like they land. It's on a mountain where they find these buzzard wasps. Um, but it's, I mean, it's like solid earth and she's really excited. She's like, oh, I'll finally get my feet. And I think she, like, she lays down she and makes a, like a, a dirt a angel kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And that, like I said, not, not funny or not clever necessarily, but I thought that was funny. I felt really good for Toph. She needed a, she needed to have a good day. And it turns out it's a giant yeah. wasp nest, not really a dry land. Oops. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, quickly going back to that wasp who took Momo. So Aang... Once Aang got Momo, he struck the wasp down for no reason at all. Like, he was so mad about it. Like, even Momo, like, walks away from him, like, scared. And so, like, I'll call out Aang for being, for lying sometimes. <laughs> like, when he talks to the, when he, in, in future episodes, when he talks to Avatar Yang Chen, he tells her, like, oh, like, I'm an air nomad. Like, we only use violence um, when necessary. I'm like, uh, Aang? Uh, he and, he's never hurt. Yeah, like, Aang, you just swatted the crap out of that fly. Like, I'm sure you killed it. Like, it doesn't have a life anymore. You probably, you at least damage his wings once a fly can't freaking fly. Like, it's not going to live as far as, as long as it did. You remember that baseball uh, clip where Aunt Randy Johnson threw that pitch and demolished that bird? <laughs> yes. That's kind of what I thought of when I saw this. And then I had to go YouTube it because... I find excuses to watch that clip all the time, but that's that's the first thing I thought of was just Randy Johnson that fun that buzzard wasp. Yeah, so that that was definitely not the air bending air bending thing to do. Um, but eventually, so they get surrounded by all of these sand benders, and uh, no, I'm sorry, well they do they get surrounded by all these uh, buzzard wasps, and then the sand benders come up and which is a tactful way to get rid of sand to get rid of the the buzzard wasps is that they just sand bend them kind of down. Uh, and then Aang lands. And this is one of my probably top five moments in, in Avatar. Like just this whole 
interaction here. Um, and Katara pretty much says, like, oh, we've lost our bison. And then the kid, who is clearly suspicious, is like, you dare like uh, accuse us of stealing a bison when you have a, a tribesman's uh, sand, sand boat? And his dad, who is fairly respectful, like, really respectful, actually, is like, yeah. no one accused us of anything. If what they say is true, we must show them hospitality. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, you're right. And it's like, like people living in a harsh environment. You gotta, you know, I don't, yeah. know, don't be but, jerks. <laughs> I do. That kid, like, so like, that kid's like quaking in his boots. Okay. Maybe he just saw Aang gun down that bird. <laughs> he don't want yeah. no part of that. Uh, and then we learn that Toph has like really, really good hearing, which I don't think it was like that matter of fact, but she's like, I never forget a voice. And she's like, that's him. That's the guy who took Appa. And Aang goes off. Aang is like, where is he? Where is my bison? Where is he? Where is Appa? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I feel like Toph is just egging him on. <laughs> like, Doing what she does best, really. Yeah, I mean, she's... Not, she's Pissing people off. <laughs> she's, not like, she's not like egging him on and hyping him up because she likes seeing Aang angry. Like, Toph is also angry. Like, Toph took some of this blame, right? Like, she's holding took some of that. Of blame. She, what's the word? She's like uh, provoking a little bit. The she is a, I forget the yeah. guy's name, the bad guy. He's not a bad guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Mis, mis, I mean, he's misguided a, young lad. Uh, he's a bad guy. He's, he's, he's kind of a bad things. guy. This episode. <laughs> he he creates a series of episodes that I don't like. <laughs> it's all his fault. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler. So so as the conversation goes on, Toph was like, "You said to put a muzzle on him," and Jeez, you would have thought that he shot Op in the leg. Angus like, you muzzled Oppa, and then just Avatar State. <laughs> like, the crazy thing about this is the Avatar State is a defense mechanism designed to protect the Avatar. Like, Aang feels so hurt by this and, and angry by it that he triggers the Avatar State. And I, I absolutely just love his delivery. Other than that line of just tell me where Appa is, <laughs> it is like I've never seen anything more threatening than that in the Avatar series. Like you have the voice of thousands—not thousands, really more like 150 people. <laughs> of 150 people, who, who is the most powerful person in the world, threatening your life. Like I think if it wasn't, he goes off, oh, goes in Avatar state, destroys all of their ships. He's just creating this big ball of wind. And, like, I think if it wasn't for Katara, like, Aang maybe killed some people. Like, he has no control over it. It's just all rage. He has no control over Avatar State. It's Katara that has control over Avatar State. And she just reaches out. Like, and I just visually love this look of Katara. Like, she's not afraid of Aang. She's not, she doesn't run away from him when, when he's angry like this. Like, she's looking up at him with such, like, sympathetic eyes. Like, I know what you're feeling. Like, just come here. Let me hold you. And she holds, she holds him. And, like, just this look of, like, the most powerful person in the universe, like, in the world. And there's this tear coming at his most powerful. There's a tear coming down his face. Like, he's at his most weakest state right now. All right, I'm done. <laughs> 
Sorry, no, I just <laughs> so I had to wipe a little tear out of my eye here. It's getting me hard. Take that, Zuko shippers. Um, exactly. <laughs> oh, one time Katara. Well, one time Katara put her hands on Zuko's almost face and killed him. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jamie. We're so sorry. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I should point out. Uh, just the whole I, fire and ice thing, guys. Come on. I'm, I'm kidding. All right, I sound rude now. Uh, I bet. Uh, I'm kidding. I, sh- I support people uh, shipping. We, we support all. We, all, we support but. all creative theories surrounding surrounding mm-hmm. the shows, and have many disagreements of our own. I disagree with most <laughs> ships that didn't occur explicitly in the show because I don't know how to read between the lines. But uh, Jamie, this is just for you. I in my in my nerd cave. Uh, you know, pops are a huge thing. Uh, Chris is very well aware. I used to have two pops, and I can't find one of them, and I feel really bad. So the only pop I have in my whole cave, I know I talk a lot of smack on Zuko, but is this Zuko pop from Chris. And that's the only pop <laughs> bobblehead I have. The other one's Harry Potter. It was from Roberto and Carmen, and I don't know where it is. I'm assuming it's in a box that we haven't unpacked in the movie yet. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I just thought she'd appreciate knowing that as much as I tease Zuko and, uh, and Zutara in general... <laughs> Only pop represented. The only action figure from the Avatar series in any way, shape, or form, actually, in this whole Nerdvana down here. I say Nerdvana. There's a white wall behind me. <laughs> uh, it's long story short. It is a it is a really, really beautiful moment that, you know, I'm gonna give away my feelings on the episode. I'm gonna. I, I don't want to do it yet. But it's a really beautiful moment to cap off. Uh, a journey that may not seem like it has all the buildup that I would have wanted, but mm. it's a great moment in Avatar. One of my top three or four Avatar state moments for sure. Yeah, that's. that's I think and, I don't know if it cuts yeah. away to um, like yeah, another just, shot of Zuko ends, or Iroh if that's where it ends. I know no. there's some back and forth. Right, it just ends with just ends with Aang crying, just shedding that tear. Just stepping back, just a half step. Uh, you mentioned he kills people, and maybe he does, maybe he does. I don't know. I, it doesn't matter because he can't control it. So it's almost like uh, it's about the same as killing somebody if he could have killed somebody, right? Sort of the same idea in a spiritual sense. But uh, Sokka pretty much thinks that he's going to kill somebody. Like Sokka is telling these sandbenders <laughs> who are guilty, or at least one of them yeah. is, he's just straight up like run like it, he grabs them they all run i think he grabs toff by the arm or something like that but like it's a yeah it gives off a really genuine sense of fear in a way that makes what katara is doing feel that much stronger and braver like it's not just a not just a quick thing it's a very there's a lot of scary build up and they do a really good job of translating that yep you ready to go to ratings let's go yeah. all right so for audio visual, given an eight and a half. I don't think there was that much stuff at the like the beginning of the episode, but when Aang goes into Avatar State, it's just beautiful and amazing, and so much storytelling is just done without anyone saying a freaking word, and just like a whole minute span, or feels like a minute span. It does, yeah, it feels like um, a chunk. And and the music, I think, is beautifully done in this episode, especially in this moment, which I feel like I should have gave this a nine. Um, but audio, I think visually wise, it, it more to there. But musical wise, it probably gets a ten for me. If I was, you know, eight and a half on audio visual, really, really good stuff. For a story, also gets an eight and a half. I think this is just one of the 
best Katara episodes and just really shows um, why she is really important. This shows her strength to a whole nother level that at the end of the day, she doesn't lose hope like, you know, like other people can do. Like Aang does lose hope for a good, he doesn't receive the hope back until maybe one or two episodes from now. It's at least um, two episodes because it's another two-parter and I couldn't remember earlier, but it's at least two episodes out. Bear man. Yeah. Could be more. I don't really remember. It's. I think it's two because he, because anyway, we'll get to that. Um, Yeah, so I think the story was, was really good, especially for Katara. And I just love what the aftermath of, of the previous episode and just how everyone is just uh, dealing with the loss of Appa. So it gets eight and a half out of 10 there. For the memorable, a nine out of 10, mostly because of that scene with, with Aang and just that Avatar State is one of my favorite moments in all of Avatar. And then of course the Sokka cactus juice stuff is just comedy gold. So I, I might be going light on this episode. Uh, anyway, comes out uh, that was a nine out of ten. Comes about to a weight average of eight point six out of ten. How many times throughout the series does Sapa end up tripping balls on frogs or sicknesses or That's cactuses? It. I mean, I can only count uh, I mean, two off the top of my head between the sick and the cactus right now. But I feel like you know, what what an appropriate character to have yeah. uh, to have get drugged up in the middle of your episodes for comedy. <laughs> yeah. And one thing, one thing that we don't really talk about here is really like tone, which I guess it could probably start tie into story, but this is probably one of the best balances of tone in any episode. I think I've seen like they have really great comedic moments in this episode and they have some really emotional touching dark moments in this episode as well and they just balance that tone so freaking well like a freaking tightrope i do i think you're right i think when we i think we inadvertently whether we mean to or not try to tie that into story when we're just talking about i mean we say yeah. story but it's more about the uh, i guess the whole the audio visual is everything we can see in here and story is like everything yeah. else so i kind of lumps into there that's so funny to me though, because I would say that about the about the last episode, and when I talk about balance and things, um, no, it's like, I'm kidding. No, nah, it's just it's it's just funny how how the perceptions differ, and I mean yeah. let's let's just get into it because it it's pretty pretty visible. Audio visual uh, again, it's I don't I just I don't disagree with anything you said at all. <laughs> it's just the literal amount of weight that like is given for me. It's like that first essentially eighty percent of the episode. Where I'm just looking at sand and listening to angsty whining. Hey, angsty. I've probably made that joke before. I'm actually really sorry. (laughs) Um, And so there's just, there's nothing for me until the very end. And it is a really big payoff, but at no point in the episode, I don't know, there's there's like no buildup. It's just nothing. And then at the end, it's very great, um, audio visually at least. But guess what? I feel the same about the story. It's, It's very dramatic. There are a lot of feelings. And it does, as you mentioned, it goes back and forth. There's, uh, there's, there's touching, there's anger, there's comedy. Like it's not just one emotion that rides the whole time. It's, it's crazy. Not really my style of episode when it, when it's all the, when it's all the feels all hitting at once. I don't, I just don't cope with that very well. The previous episode had the right amount of feels for me where it was, it was impactful. It was very important. It was impactful. 
There was genuine uh, sadness there from Toph, from Appa, from Aang. This episode's packed with it. I just, I can't handle it. And it, like, it just, a lot of it, 80% of the episode is, is, is like right here. And then at the end, it skyrockets. And then memorable, uh, the only part, there again, I, I can't tell you most of what happens in the episode up until getting, uh, finding the sand bed. I couldn't even remember the buzzard wasps. Like when I saw them, I was like, isn't this a Futurama and also the book series Del Toro Quest? <laughs> It's I just like everything every time I watch this episode I like I couldn't remember if this was even the episode that I was thinking of like is this the one where they find the sandbenders or is there some stuff in between there it just doesn't stand out to me so I don't disagree with anything you said it's kind of just a matter of how we perceive and take in and weigh that you know the the payoff at the end versus the rest of what you have to go through this is not my favorite 7.2 funny story though comes out the exact same <laughs> but you will be happy to know that because of the way things wait um this episode lands higher on our list than the previous <laughs> one uh just the way that weights work out again it makes it sound like i have a lot against this episode i think it's very important um obviously a very good touching moment there at the end it's just the rest of it isn't always worth it to me but that's all you know it uh, probably well, you the know what? You can be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. Yeah, I don't think we've ever been off like by like one point three points. We might have been more off in this last episode because what was I? Eight point five. You were seven point two. Yeah, so I think you're seven point two. Uh, I think we're yeah. I think we're off like one point three on each of them. We've had uh, similar things in a few other episodes where we've done uh, two episode chunks and we'll kind of flip flop. Um, there is one yeah. where the whatever air temple they were in and then the episode the after Pirates episode uh the pirates have, and so it seems like it happens a lot and it just it, it kind of boils down to preferences and as always i kind of uh <laughs> you you have a much better a much better grasp of, of the big picture of things and what you want to fall where and what things mean to you in a bigger picture sense and i'm much more uh, surface level what's happening exactly in that scope of 20 minutes and how that hits me in the feelings right at that time i just don't have as big a broad big broad and yeah, good of way, critical perception as you do and that's that's okay i'm not gonna the different the difference i think is that you have a wrong opinion and i have a right opinion. <laughs> <laughs> i tried to say that but i was trying to be nicer no. about it man um, no 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 i'm kidding it, it... <laughs> the we don't kid here everything this podcast is over everything is you know even if i was even if you could like uh you could definitively be like no sean you're actually just wrong and I'd be like, okay, and that's fine. And then we would just be the first podcast no. where somebody on the podcast was just wrong. <laughs> just... No, nobody else would put up with that, but I'm like, that's fine. It's a it's a TV show. <laughs> I'm going to watch the TV show anyway. I just as well keep talking about it. Um, no, I, if anyone knows, I very much value your opinion, no matter how much uh, I disagree about it. So I would say I, I probably... I, also, I love conversation. I probably represent the 10 to 15 year old age group of kids though no no i'll go step up i probably represent the 8 to 12 year olds watching this tv show <laughs> and you represent everybody else in in opinion just to guess there's probably some very perceptive uh, 8 to 12 year olds out there i'm sorry i don't mean to insult you by putting you on my level that's not very nice but uh hey the thing is when i when i when i sent you my rating you're like oh this is interesting like i always get excited whenever we're I like different opinions on stuff. Like, even though I don't mind us having the same opinion about something, it just creates good conversation. This is the starkest 
difference I could find. I tried to look back and I tried to remember what episodes we did in pairs like this. And this was like the the, the most strong flip-flop that we have had in a yeah. episodes. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, again, yeah. I sometimes I'll rate episodes a certain way and like I I probably internally like them higher than I actually rated them or vice versa. Um, this one, like I still... I'm totally okay with it and it's it's, it's totally important and great. I will let you know when I don't like an episode and then I still try to remove that and put a decent rating on it if it deserves it. This is a case that just critically doesn't hold up as well in my brain as it does uh, when I'm actually watching it or at least when I get to the end of it. When you realize that the payoff is worthwhile. It doesn't help that this is not my favorite stretch of episodes. Like these Sans Appa episodes, not not Mm -hmm. my favorite, but... They're important. They are. Yeah. Uh, next week, speaking of episodes, I think we'll probably do a similar, sorry, two weeks from now, probably a similar setup where they do go together. As you mentioned earlier, they were aired in a pair. Um, I don't know if there's any more after that. There might have been even one more set after that. I'm not positive. Uh, I'm pretty sure because the drill. Oh, wait. Let me. Oh, I forget. I think the next one is the next one is um, a serpent's pass. And then, then, yeah, I think the drill is after that. So it must be the Fire Nation secret. Is I the, think that's what is the, the Serpent's called. Pass when Jet comes back? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think it is. What a terrible string of episodes. That's the next thing that uh, Zuko and Iroh does. They come in contact with Jet. Oh, yeah, that's right. I kind of forgot about that little... Yeah, maybe I'll like that more this time just because I have a better... Better guess. I've got the episode list pulled up. If you're willing to wait, moment. Uh, Serpent's and just pass. Keep talking. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> okay, so these are called Secret of the Fire Nation. The pair of them yes. is called that. And it's the Serpent's yes. Pass and the Drill. And the Drill. Yep. And then there is back to sort of regular, regular episodes. Yeah, because uh, City of Walls and that. Secrets is after that one. Yeah. And, and probably uh, the Earth King? No, no, the Earth King is um, after Lake I think Wild it's just called The Tales of Bossing Say. I just scrolled past yeah, it. The it, Tales of Bossing Wall- Say. City of Walls and Secrets, then Tales of Bossing Say, then Appa's Lost Days. Man, your memory is solid. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> so this, this whole Cloud stretch up to, up to that point is, is, is not then my the favorite. Then Crossroads of Destiny. Yeah. No, the Guru after that. Then Crossroads of ah, Destiny. Ah, dang it. The... And the when, we get to, the when we get to the Guru and the Crossroads of Destiny, um, at one of those points, there's a, I already forget which, one, which ones. At some point in there, we're going to have our, our favorite guest back on to talk, our favorite Zuko expert. I forget which one she wanted to come talk about, though. <laughs> I want to say the yeah, City of Walls yeah. and Secrets. I think she wanted to talk about that, but I don't remember. Oh, well, we'll have a guess yeah. at some point. Probably not the next time. The next time we do have just a twofer with the Serpent's Pass and the Drill, and those go together in the same format that these two went together for whatever Nickelodeon's reasoning was. <laughs> I have no idea, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. In the meantime, thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, always fun to discuss episodes with you. That's really all I got to say. Thanks for hanging out. It's been a pleasure. Uh, as I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, if anyone, I feel like we don't do this enough. I don't know. If anyone have any questions or uh, just want to comment on stuff, feel free to uh, hit us up on Twitter or, or email. I am the objective geek at gmail.com. I'm just Sean Shaler. If you can spell my name, you can find me. Good luck. The, yeah. It's funny. You have the easiest and, uh, name in the world to spell, and you're like, nah, I got to change it. <laughs> I should be the one with an easier name on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah. Hey, there's no, I can't answer questions. Uh, but I would like to think that we exemplify, uh, being okay and interested in differing opinions. So come throughout your wildest ships and we'll run it through our ship expert and see how, how it pans out or all of your crazy (laughs) theories on which episodes you like and don't like, or tell us who burned down the, the fire nation section of the library. (laughs) <laughs> Little things like that interest me the most. I just assume it. Like I saw him burn down, and then they like alluded to Zhao. I'm like, oh well, Zhao did it, duh. and then I just don't ever think of it again. So then when you no, say that, in my mind's that. like, you're definitely wrong. Even though there's no grounds for that, what's <laughs> my mind just already it made a decision and it's over. Hey, we'd love no, to hear that stuff from you. Uh, it's probably actually super meaningful if you do Twitter because we can both see it very easily, or on Chris on the comment on the video on Chris's channel. Those are probably the two places we monitor the best. So give us a holler. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Chris, thanks for hanging out. I will talk to you in approximately two weeks. It'll be great.